on today's episode of No Green Eggs. Bleeding mushrooms with teeth. That's disgusting. I'm going to give you three stories. You're going to tell me which one is fake. And men who claim tapsy-tapsy on the planet Mars. I don't think that's a thing. Cue the intro. Welcome to No Green Eggs and Ham, a podcast about nothing and everything. It's not a show where we take jabs at the infamous Dr. Seuss, but where we dive into topics like art, weird inventions, pop culture, and anything having to do with cubby-wubby womb room tea. So throw on some clothes. Grab a coffee and ignore your responsibilities as you listen to the Just Okay Sounds of your host, me, Sam I Am. Here we go. All right, everyone, let's get into this. So there is a species of mushrooms that looks absolutely disgusting. If you see it, it actually kind of looks like the skin of a pig with jelly blood looking spores all over it. And on the other end of it, like the underneath, it's like it's got teeth kind of fibers. It's absolutely gross. So this is called the Hydnalium pecky mushroom. It's in Europe and North America's Pacific Northwest, and it looks like it's just oozing drops of blood. It's disgusting. It's called the bleeding tooth fungus. Now, it's horrific in appearance, but it's not poisonous, which you would think that it might be because, you know, something's in, in nature with bright bright colors which the blood in this is extremely bright it actually looks a lot like that like liquid candy that you had when you were a kid um or when i was a kid i i don't remember it like came in like these plastic bottles and red and blue and i don't know i don't even know what it's called it's like melted candy but it, just, it stays melted it, it kind of looks like that it's really gross but it's not poisonous but they don't recommend eating it because it doesn't taste very good. It's like bitter pepper. But the underneath looks like it has teeth. It's quite disgusting. Look it up. Just look up bleeding tooth fungus or bloody mushroom and you'll find it. Okay. So here's the next thing. I am going to tell you three stories. These are personal stories. Some circumstances that I found myself in throughout the years uh, one goes really far back some are more recent and you're going to tell me which one is fake okay so let's get this started back when I lived in Nebraska uh, I don't know if some of you can imagine there's not a lot to do all the time uh, so when my friends and I were able to actually drive which was actually my friends were able to drive I was much later on. Um, we would go out to different areas. Either we would do 
donuts in the fields. We would get stuck in mud so that we could pull ourselves out and uh, lots of different things. And one, one place that we wanted to go and we actually ended up going was this graveyard. Now, it's there's a couple graveyards within the vicinity of Nebraska in, in, in the area that we lived in. Maybe within like a 45 to an hour minute drive. Hour minute. That's not a thing. 45 to a 60 minute drive. So one happened to be more in Iowa, so it doesn't really count as far as Nebraska goes, but that was close enough that people went there a lot, uh, especially from my high school. But the other one was more like in the country. And now the area that I lived in was not farmland. It was the city, but it wasn't that far to get to farmland. Now, the further out you go, the more you know, sparse it was as far as, you know, people's houses and stuff. This particular graveyard sat in a location that was very hard to get to because you had to actually drive past the house of the keeper of not only the graveyard, but this farm area. It was the only house in the area. And like I said, the road goes right past their house. So either you had to wait for them to be gone, which you never knew when it was because there was no way to see the house from the main road. Their road was basically off of the main highway, and that main highway was not trafficked very much. So there's no street lights, there's nothing. So you can barely see the house from the main road, and in order to get anywhere near it, you basically would be seen. So you have to turn off your headlights. If you saw lights on in the house, then most likely someone was home and alert. If there weren't lights, perhaps they were gone. Maybe they were sleeping. Who knows? Well, we happened to go. We took a shot. And when we went by it, there were no lights on in the house. But we kept our headlights off anyway. We rolled past the house. And there's another little road that leads to the cemetery. And it goes between like a couple of fields. And it's right past the house. So we turn onto the road and we, we go down. It's pitch black, so it's very hard to see. Thankfully, the, the light of the moon was lighting up enough that we can at least see where we're going in a way. Now, the person that was driving had been there before. And other than that, everyone else in the car had never been there. There were four of us. I myself had never been there before. But I had heard the stories. And the stories, I I mean, you know, most, most of these places have these kind of legends and, and stuff like that where, you know, there's a, a particular uh, stone to a grave that, you know, at certain times of the year, the stone would be upright. And then while you're standing there, you turn away and turn back and it's on its side. So there's things like that that happen. And there's like a, a little um, sawhorse where kids used to play, I don't know, this is a, this is basically like a family cemetery, I'm not sure that the family is the same as the person that owns the house that oversees the field, but it's a family plot, so it's rich in mystery and lore and ghost stories and stuff like that, and apparently there was like a little playground that, that someone built within it, and every once in a while you would hear the sawhorse uh, go up and down. So 
that's just a couple of the stories. We find ourselves going down this road and there's a, a little patch of trees and the driver, our friend says that that's where it is. So basically the road veers off one, you go straight and you can keep going to like the barn that's over a hill and it's, it's further away. And then there's another like kind of path that cuts off to the left to go around to the forest. But it's not a road. It's just like worn out grass that, you know, maybe the families of the, the people for the cemetery had actually like, you know, kind of matted it down with all the visits and stuff. Or it's from people that, you know, adventure seekers and, and stuff like that, ghost hunters, whatever. So we, our friend expertly cuts through and then we come up to this little fence and the fence has a chain across it at the opening and it says do not enter private property he stops there and we have to get out and go over the fence and then to the left you see like a little stone wall and then that's the entrance to the, to the graveyard now if you park the car in a certain way you can shine the light into the graveyard because the stone wall doesn't go all around the graveyard there was like patches where either it caved in or they just didn't put anything there and you can shine a light in. Now, one of the myths or whatever it was, was that sometimes you shine a light and then you like you do uh, like a count to like seven or eight or I don't know, 13, whatever an unlucky number is. I'm not positive. And then you turn off the lights and then you wait that same amount of time and you turn it on again. And you're going to see the, the outline of a boy. And supposedly this is one of the boys that haunts the, the graveyard. He ends up he'll be one of the ones that sits on the horse or the, the seesaw and will go up and down. Or he's the one that pushes it over, over the, uh, what is that? The gravestone. We didn't do that at first. We got out and we, we hopped over the fence and we waited before going in. Everyone was very quiet and we're listening for anything. One, we're listening for perhaps the... Um, the owner of the property, like coming down or, or something, you know, because they know their their property. They don't need a car to get over there. They can, you know, scare people just by walking over. We didn't hear anything. And then we were waiting for the sound of anything unusual. And it's the middle of the night. Anything is causing panic to people. Well, at first, there was nothing. Then we started hearing a little shuffling. Now, none of us are moving. And it is the woods and it is farmland, so it could be a, a deer, it could be raccoons, it could be anything. But we sit very still, everyone's looking at each other, and then looking around just to see. No one's there. And then the noise just stops. Okay, we wait a little bit, and then we're like, without verbally saying, we basically motioned to the graveyard. So we go to the entrance to the graveyard, and we're looking around, and it's very hard to see... Even with the moonlight, the moonlight can't penetrate the trees that surround the graveyard. There's a couple trees within the graveyard, and they're all very old, so they're, the canopy is quite dense. So we can't really see in, but we're trying to adjust our eyes, and we're looking around. Everything looks like a shadow. Every shadow looks like something that's going to jump out at you. So I got to tell you, nerves were high. Now, when we were about to go over to this particular grave 
where that stone is usually uh, pushed over, we all stopped dead in our tracks. It wasn't a sound, but every one of us saw the same thing. And immediately, everyone, without saying another word, leapt back and ran to the car as fast as we could. I fell. Another one of my friends fell before me, and I tripped over them. It was crazy. But we got in the car. We're all going in. And then everyone is huffing and puffing. And no one says anything for a couple seconds. And then everyone at the same time goes, holy crap. That boy was right there. We all saw the same boy. Now, it wasn't by the seesaw and it wasn't by the grave, but it was on the wall past the grave or the little stone that everyone says is toppled over sometimes. The gravestone was upright. Um, now, the only reason I know which stone it was is not only, you know, where we go into that stone. But there's actually pictures of it. You can actually go online. And I don't remember the name of the, the cemetery, but it's it's pretty famous, so you can look it up. Uh, it's probably on a couple most haunted lists. And past that was a little wall where we all saw this boy sitting on the wall and staring at us. So, we're all in the car. The doors were locked. We, we locked the doors. We turn the car on. We're looking over to that wall and that boy's gone. Okay. We're all laughing because we're like, that's crazy. It had to be something else. It had to be a shadow. Like, even though we all saw it, we didn't believe it. And so then we tried the theory about the lights. My friend backed the car up and then positioned it so that the front of the car was facing the gap in the wall where you're supposed to shine the lights. Now, we're looking back at the house, and it looks like there's a light on inside the house, but we don't know if that was already there, and it's very faint. It doesn't look like it's a room that's lit up. It kind of looks like it could be coming from an appliance or something. It's not that bright. So we decide to do the test anyway. My friend turns on the headlights and we count and we're all counting out loud and then as we get to like 12 and then 13 he turns it off and then we're counting again and all of us start off the count and then a couple trail off near the end and by the time it gets to 13 it's only myself and the other friend that's sitting in the back seat with me okay now we're I'm in the back seat with my friend the driver and then the other guy in the front seat. My friend and I are like leaning from each side into the center so we can see. And as soon as we get to 13, my friend hesitates for a second but then turns the lights on. And in front of us was that same figure that we saw sitting on the wall. My friend turns the car into uh, reverse guns it out of there and we turn and try to go up the road our headlights are still on we see a light on in the house and then we see somebody coming out of the house and yelling and it looks like he has something we're 
blaring up this road and we turn and go right in front of the house and then we see it we see this guy has a rifle and he's aimed it at the car my friend is gunning it on this gravel dirt road and we're all freaking out we're all like go 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 no he's gonna shoot us he's gonna shoot us and we get out of there no shots were fired we were all extremely terrified adrenaline was blaring for most of the ride home and no one from that day on talked about what we saw but what we all saw was that same boy it was a shadow of this boy dressed in old clothes looked like overalls a little hat looked pale as anything and did not look from the time period which at this point was early 2000 no i think it was late 90s i think this is probably 98 99 that's story number one. Story number two. This one happens to be in Florence, Italy. So if you listen to the Florence episode that I did months ago, uh, you would know that we were in Florence for one day. Uh, we ended up going later in the afternoon because we had to... We visited a couple different villas and, just to see what would be the best location for a um, family reunion slash 60th birthday party for my aunt. When we got to the city, we parked our car and we went to the middle of the city, uh, not far from where the Uffizi was, which is the, the, um, the museum, the very famous museum that we ended up going to. That's what we were looking for, looking for the main courtyard, which if you've seen pictures of Florence, you would recognize it. And we're looking around, we're inside of this bazaar and my aunt is trying to figure out where we're going and I'm looking up at the rooftops and this is the whole Assassin's Creed moment where I'm like, I know exactly where we are. And I was like, we got to go this way and then that way. And she's like, I don't think so. And I was like, no, trust me, we do. And we get there we get to exactly where we need to be. And she's like, how did you know? I was like, well, it sounds stupid, but <laughs> I, I, I've been here before. She's like, you never been to Italy. I was like, no, but in a game I was and it was very realistic. And since the game is so like close to they, they try to make the games as close to historically accurate as possible. And because Italy doesn't change their infrastructure as far as or their structures, like they keep everything as, as intact as possible throughout the centuries, everything was basically the same. So I, I knew exactly where we were. So that's where we were. Um, we ended up going to the Uffizi. Uh, that was where we, you know, waiting this line for another line. Um, we saw all these great works by Leonardo and many famous artists. And after that, we went to uh, the Duomo. And when we were on our way there, we, w we took this uh, roundabout way and we're just looking at different uh, spots and everywhere you look is like just artwork. And we were trying to find gelato, <laughs> okay? All roads lead to gelato. Uh, you have to have gelato. So we're trying to find the, the best gelato that we could honestly doesn't matter just get gelato there and it's going to be great and so we find it and it's at this little location where the window is facing the outside so you don't actually have to go in so we just order it we get our cones and while we're ordering i feel like there's someone watching us i look around and you know there's tourists everywhere 
it's hard to tell if there's anyone that's actually from Florence there. Um, but there are a lot of people that dress very nicely. Florence is a very like upscale as far as like people, the way they dress and the way they look. Um, I would think it's more like Milan. I, it's like there's bigger areas, there's more populated areas. They're more touristy. People are dressed to the nines. So it's hard to tell who's who, but it looks like mostly tourists. And I'm looking around and no one's staring at us. So I'm like, okay, just my imagination. We have a gelato and we, we start going. And we're looking at different uh, buildings and um, there's some that are being worked on. And, you know, a lot of these facades where if they're having... Uh, if there's any construction, they have these big tarps over them, but the tarps are um, basically just pictures of what the building is supposed to look like and what it did look like and what's going to look like when they're done. You know, there's no ugliness in any of these. You know, it's not it's not allowed. So you're looking around, you're looking at old like sconces, uh, old windows, and just really you're just taking in everything. Or we were, and I still have this sinking feeling that we're being followed. So every once in a while, I turn around just to look, and uh, you know, no one is staring at us, so nothing seems out of the ordinary. I'm just being paranoid. We come around a corner, and there is this massive building, which I've seen in the game before and seen in pictures, and it's the Duomo. And it's absolutely stunning. It's so tall and so ornate, and there's a tower that's right alongside of it, you know, just a a couple meters away, a few meters. It's it's probably like 20, 30 feet away from the actual uh, church itself and or basilica and basilica. Yeah. And um, it's pretty tall. Um, now, we wanted to go inside the church. However, we found out that the church was closed. It was getting later in the evening and the tower was about to close. But as long as you get in there before the doors close, you can stay. And, you know, they let you out when, whenever basically you're, you're ready to get out. So we get the tickets and we hurry up and get into line. And it's a long line. And as we're standing there, I'm looking at the church. I'm looking up at the tower. It's pretty tall. And again, I feel like somebody is watching me. And this time when I look, we're in line, we're waiting. So I take time to actually, you know, view this or scan the surroundings. And nothing is out of the ordinary that I can tell, except there's this guy dressed in green. I don't see him at first. It takes a little bit of time for me to notice him because he's kind of like interweaving within the crowd, but he's in a bright green suit. And now I'm talking a blazer that's green, but his shorts, he doesn't have pants, he has shorts, green shorts that match the same color as the green blazer. And he's wearing these boots and it looks like high socks. He kind of looks like he came from the Swiss Alps, except uh, the Irish part of the Swiss Alps, which is that a thing? I don't, I don't know. But he looked like a leprechaun, but very tall. So it was very strange. He had this hat on with a feather. It was bizarre. Now, he wasn't looking at us, but he wasn't exactly moving either. And he just kind of stood there. His back was towards us. And every once in a while, he would turn around and kind of look in our direction, but not at us. And then he'd look up at the church, look up at the tower, and then turn back around. Very odd. Anyway, we ended up getting into the tower. I don't see him again. But the entire time we're in that building, 
And every time we pass like a little window, I'm looking around to see if I see him. And I do. On every single level, which if you've ever been to the tower, you go up uh, these scary steps that are incredibly narrow. People are going down as you're going up and there's only one way up and down. And you get into these little narrow pathways on the stairs and every once in a while there's a slit that's a window, an open window, looking out into the courtyard. And every once in a while I get a glimpse of green. And then you get into the next level where you actually get to look around and you kind of take a breather from, you know, the claustrophobic trek up the the steps that are older than dirt and narrow and <laughs> incredibly shallow. So nerve-wracking. And you get up to these platforms and then you get to just scan around. And the higher up you go, the more you see. And But you can basically get a 360 view of everything. Uh, you go to the separate windows and some are very large. And I keep saying windows, but they're, they're just openings. There's nothing there. There's no glass or anything. And I keep going to that same spot every level and I still see him there. And most times he's just looking around but there was one time before we got to the very top where i looked down and this is uncomfortably high so it's like i had to strain a little bit you know next to this little guardrail to look and i looked down and he's looking directly at me and i'm like what is going on okay so we get up to the top level which again was nerve-wracking um, that was where the most traffic was, was towards the top because everyone that was hanging out on the outside is finally coming back down now that the sun is setting and we get up there and we spend a little time up there. Cause this, this, like I said, the sun was setting. It was very beautiful. We got to see the sun hitting this cathedral, you know, meters away. And it was just gorgeous. It looked like there was lights coming from it. It's just the way that they, the architect built it so that when the sun set, and the sun caught it, um, it basically didn't need lights like everything else. It just shone from the brilliance of the sun bouncing off of the the material that the, the, the place was made out of. So it was stunning. And I look around again, and I can't see. It's harder to see down where that guy was before. So it, it just wasn't possible. So I put it on my head. Okay. So we stayed there for a little bit when we're kind of sure that most people are done and have already started going down and no one's going to come back up. That way we don't have to share the steps with anyone coming the other direction because it's just so narrow in some spots. It's just very hard and very nerve wracking. Like if you fall, you're just not only bringing everyone with you, but someone's getting stuck. You know, it's just not fun. So we get down the bell tolls, which is super loud, but it was very entertaining. I got to catch it on video. And when we get out, it's night. We go across uh, the Ponte Vecchio, which is the very famous bridge, which is basically just a bazaar that's on the bridge. And it's little shops of like mostly jewelry and, and um, handbags and stuff like that, but good stuff. And we see a guy with a monkey, you know, the, the musical guy, and that was fun. And again, as we're coming off of the bridge on the other side, I feel like someone's watching us and it's from the opposite direction, not where from where we came from, but where we're going. So this person would have had to come in front of us, pass us and get over there or had been over there while we're in the tower and just waited for us, knowing that we were going to go there. 
but I didn't see him again. So I was like, okay, this is crazy. But the crowd was getting thicker and thicker. I was like, all right, anything can happen. Well, we get off the bridge because basically they're closing it down. Um, now, all the the life of the city is going into the middle. Um, basically, where the Duomo is, where we just were, and over by the Uffizi. Two different locations, but they're connected by a couple of alleyways. And there's lights everywhere. There's a little Ferris wheel. Um, it's kind of like the medieval Times Square. It's really beautiful. Um, very bright, even at dark of night, because lights are everywhere. And we come around the corner, uh, I think right by a Prada shop. This is like high-end retail um, <laughs> shops all around. This is like if you're shopping, it's either Milan or it's Florence. And we come across, uh, we, we turn around the corner, past this Prada shop, and right there in front of us is the Leprechaun Man. And he's got the weirdest grin I've ever seen in my life. And his, he's kind of like stood like a stance where one leg is bent and the other one is you know his foot is forward kind of like he's doing like a dance step and he's just posed there and he's looking at us and I, and then he was just gone someone crossed in front of us like this little crowd of people and then he was just not there anymore and i was like what is going on and before that moment i didn't say anything to my aunt but she noticed him at that time because he was hard not to notice but she didn't think of anything about the fact that he wasn't there again, that he was just gone. And we basically, we stayed there for a few more minutes. We were looking at other things. I was looking around, scanning the entire place the entire time, looking for this guy, seeing if he's just going to come up behind me. My aunt is looking at the architecture, which is what I should have been looking at. Um, and then she says, okay, let's go get dessert and we'll go home or go back to the villa. And we did. And I didn't see him again. And that was my weird day with the leprechaun from Sweden. He was very tall, by the way. I don't know if I said that before, but he was definitely not leprechaun height. Um, and that smile really creeped me out. I don't know what he was doing. I don't know why he was watching me, but I don't know where he is now either. So, whatever. <laughs> Okay, here is story number three. Now, this is also a story back from my Nebraska days. Uh, a few of us would get together, and I don't know if I had mentioned it before. There was uh, two guys in particular who were good friends. Uh, one of them was nicknamed Goliath. And it was because I think even when we were in junior high, he was just the biggest kid there. And sweetheart just a wall of a guy and you know in football you're not getting past him just a big brute of a guy and everyone just called him goliath and he let it stick his real name i'm not going to share but um really nice guy well him and i and another friend would get together quite frequently and we would do stupid stuff as teenagers do teenage boys i should say and, like, we were part of this the fraternity at the time, uh, and our mascot that someone came up with years before us was a flamingo. And flamingos were often used as lawn ornaments. Gnomes were probably cooler, but they picked a flamingo. And we would go around and find flamingo ornaments and 
liberate them, as it were. And we had a couple of friends that uh, had quite a few of these liberated flamingos uh, in their trunk. And um, I don't think I ever had one. But we would do that and we would do other stupid stuff. And um, one time, it was around Halloween, and we were on this hill driving around looking for a lawn ornament. And I think at that time, we were probably looking for anything. Um, and it wasn't to steal as we were going to decorate it or something. I can't remember. Um, again, don't judge me for this because I was a stupid kid. But so we're driving around and we're in this. I, I've never been to this area before. I think it's more by where the other friend had lived. Like his father lived there around that area but his mom lived somewhere else. Like he lived with his mom most of the time and his father lived in this other area that none of us really went to except uh, every once in a while to hang out with him. Um, but it was a very hilly area. I remember that. And some of it's a little sketchy for me because, um, you know, because of the accent that I was in, some details are a little weird. But we were basically looking for pumpkins at this time. And we ended up finding one. It wasn't on ornaments. It was pumpkins. Now I remember. Okay. So we find a pumpkin. Now we're taking, we basically wanted to take the pumpkins and Goliath is in the front passenger seat. My other friend is driving and we're going down this hill. Now Goliath is kind of, you know, he's a big guy, so he can't really fit through the window, but he's as much of his body as he can outside of the window with one hand holding the pumpkin. Now, this is a big pumpkin, but he's basically palming it. It's like a basketball, a little bit bigger. And as we're coming down this hill, my friend says, hit that car. And the angle for this, I mean, the hill was really steep. And it was this Honda Accord, I believe Honda Accord, something like that. And so the the back window was basically slanted in a way that when Goliath threw the pumpkin, it ricocheted off of the car. Now, my friend driving gunned it down the hill as fast as he could. And after a couple seconds, what falls past us? That pumpkin. That pumpkin was thrown so hard and the velocity was as it was so... Like, as it ricocheted off of that window at just the right angle, it was so powerful and so fast that it flew past the speeding car going down the hill and landed in a field to the right past us as we were driving by it. That pumpkin flew faster than a car going downhill. That was an amazing feat. We all couldn't believe it. Goliath was laughing. As he was trying to get himself back in, he contorted himself so badly and it was laughing so hard that he couldn't actually get back in very well. So my friend had to like slow down after we got a couple blocks away because it was also loud. Um, that that impact, that little ricochet was quite deafening, I'm sure. Um, after we got on, you know, a couple blocks away, we feel like everything's safe. We're still laughing. We get out of the car and we help Goliath in back into it. And we're all just, just beside ourselves with laughter. And at the same time, disbelief that we just saw what we saw. 
a pumpkin flying faster than a car through the air. Amazing. And that is story number three. Which one do you think is false? You had the ghost in the graveyard. You had the leprechaun in Italy. And you had the pumpkin flying faster than a car. To submit your answer for what you think is the false story, go to nogreeneggs.com, go to the comment section, leave me a message, tell me which story was fake. Or you can email me at nogreeneggspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can go to Apple, leave a review. While you're there, subscribe to this. And in the review, tell me what it was. Take a screenshot and send it to no green eggs at or no what is it again? No green eggs podcast at gmail.com and I will get back to you and tell you whether or not you were right. Okay, and as promised, here is the final weird fact. Space. Am I right? Back in nineteen ninety seven there was a lawsuit that came across a court in Yemen. The lawsuit was against NASA. Now, years ago, there was this like basic rule that everyone kind of lived by where space is not owned by any entity, any country, any man. Okay, so when NASA sent the Pathfinder spacecraft and Sojourner rover onto Mars to send photos back to Earth for analysis. These men from Yemen took that as NASA claiming rights to Mars. And these men took it seriously and personally and decided to sue NASA for something that they inherited, this is quote, we inherited the planet from our ancestors 3,000 years ago. These men said that they had documents to prove that they were the legitimate owners of Mars. Planet within an, a solar system owned by nobody. But this was theirs. So they demanded the immediate suspension of all operations on Mars until the court delivered a verdict. They asked NASA to refrain from disclosing any information pertaining to Mars' atmosphere, surface, or gravity before receiving approval from them, or until a verdict was reached. That's a quote. Now, NASA came back and said, this is a ridiculous claim. (laughs) Nobody has ever said, we own this. Okay, Mars is a planet. Here's a quote. Mars is a planet out in the solar system that is the property of all humanity, not two or three guys in Yemen. And not NASA. That wasn't a quote, but that's implied. NASA wasn't saying that they own it. And NASA is obviously, you know, it's not just an American company. It's, you know, worldwide. So, you know, it, it was just a ridiculous claim. So, there was a 1967 international treaty that held that everything in the solar system, except Earth itself, was the property of everyone in the world and not one country. Including the moon. We put our American flag on the moon, but that's just because we got there first. Right? No one was claiming it. It's not the American moon. 
just as Mars is not the property of NASA or any th anybody affiliated with the space program. But these guys took it seriously and said that they have proof that they are the rightful owners that was inherited from a 3,000-year-old uh, filing. I, I don't know who, who said 3,000 years ago, you get Mars. <laughs> Somebody else owned it, and they're like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to leave it to you guys. And then went down the line, and uh, I don't even know if these guys are related. But anyway, the the thing got thrown out of court, and it was laughed out, basically. And those guys, who knows what happened? I haven't found anything that says anything since 1997 about this uh, ridiculous claim. But there you go. Three guys from Yemen sued NASA for trespassing on Mars. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, again, I want to thank everyone for listening and sharing. Please continue to do so. Uh, the best way that you can help grow this podcast is to like, subscribe, share it with people, leave a review on Apple. Um, that will greatly help me uh, because it'll get into the algorithm that will push it forward and get into, you know, like ad space and stuff like that. So if you do that, if you leave a review, take a screenshot, send me a message, no green eggs podcast at gmail.com, and I will send you a sticker. Okay, it's a new vinyl sticker of the podcast. It's a logo on the website. Check it out. Leave the review, send me a picture, I'll take care of it. See you, not see you. Thank you for listening to No Green Eggs and Ham. Editing is by Yovino Consulting in Glencove, New York. Producers for the show are me, myself, and I. The theme song was written and performed by Donnie Ronaldo. On a guitar that I gave him. Because I don't know how to play. If you reach this far in the show, please take an additional few seconds to leave us a review on whatever app you're using to listen to us ramble on about nothing and share the podcast with your friends. See you, not see you, next time. <laughs>